Coming up today on Locked On Texas Tech, we're giving you a big picture view of year one under Joey McGuire. Did some things that Red Raider football has never done before. Did some other things you haven't done in over a decade. Wrapping it all up with a 51-48 to OT win over the Oklahoma Sooners. We'll get into how that went down and also look ahead beyond this season. 2023, who will your quarterback be? Is Tyler Shuck back in red and black? And who was doubting him that he made reference to in a post-game conversation with Chris Level? We're getting to that and more coming up next on Locked On Texas Tech. You are Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're going to start this thing off right. to be back with you on Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day with the only Chris Level. I'm Casey Cowan. Thanks for joining us on the heels of a 51-48 overtime win for Joey McGuire and the good guys. Call him Nostradamus because he said they were going to beat Oklahoma and knock down the south end zone to wrap up year number one, Chris, and uh, came to fruition Certainly adventurous, and we'll get to plenty of what was going on between the lines throughout the day into some extra football. But man, what a way to wrap up a seven and five year. Can now officially say they were above my preseason expectation. I was a six and six man. And the only time ever in your school's history you beat the Longhorns and the Sooners in one season. What a debut for Joey McGuire. Yeah, Cowan, you know, and there there are there are different feelings about certain six and six records or seven and five records or eight and four records. I mean, some of them can feel different. This one feels extremely satisfying. There's a lot of meat in this seven and five season. When you consider the following, what you endured to get to that point with the quarterback issues and injuries, the fact that you won so many close games, the fact that you won six of them at home, and you won, I think, four one-score games, which mm. is uh, impressive. The fact you have a winning Big 12 record for the first time since 2009. And I and the fact that you finished with a three-game winning streak and that you've, you've finished better than you seemingly, you know, you've improved, I guess, throughout the year. You finished as a really hot team uh, right now. And what sums it all up about what this team is – because they're not great in some spots. They just play really hard, and they're just solid everywhere. We, we, we've established this. But when you look back and you win your last two games, 14 to 10, and then 51 to 48, it just tells <laughs> right. you it just tells you so much about they just kind of do whatever is needed, you know, and I don't know if that's complimentary football or or whatever, but it's just, it's fun to see them winning and winning in different ways, but just winning. And uh, man, that, that was a, that, that was a fun night in Jones AT&T stadium, man. Yeah. And I thought it, it went down in just about the only way that it could go down, Chris, because uh, it was another game where you're into a hole early on. And I say, it's the only way it could go down because what we've seen all year long is this team being resilient, continuing to fight, to persevere, to be tenacious. And boy, did you ever need it. And what a weird beginning, not just digging yourself a hole, but after 
a tremendous opening kickoff return. You've got great field position. And then, boom, you put the ball on the ground. And you're thinking, yeah, from here it's possible. But truly good things were still possible because of the intestinal fortitude of this team. I, I was talking about it with the buddy I was sitting with when you're down early on. I said, hey, we are back to a team where you can't count them out. You can't already begin to make plans about where you're going to get dinner after the first quarter because it's <laughs> over. And we're coming out of a decade where that kind of was the case. You were not resilient. You didn't really persevere through long odds early on in the game. But how many times did we get a reminder that that has changed for Texas Tech football this season? I might say 12 because really in just about every ball game, uh, you responded whenever things were not going your way. Some didn't respond enough to get a win. Some you did. Thankfully, that's what happened Saturday night. But look, the verdict is not out anymore, right? Matt Wells, in my opinion, made the program a little tougher-minded. thought they were a little bit more resilient as far as the culture was concerned. I was praying to tiny five-pound, six-ounce resilient baby Jesus, the most resilient of us all, uh, that Joey McGuire would continue that and build on that. And praise God, I think he's done that. That verdict is not out anymore, man. I, I'm a big believer now uh, in the medal of Texas Tech football under Joey McGuire. You know, and I, and I go to your point, I, I go back to because there's been many times over the last decade plus where you, uh, you know, I'm on the sideline, I'm right there in the, in the middle of it or next to it, whatever. And, you know, something bad happens, Homer away, and it's you could just sense the, okay, here we go again. <laughs> and the shoulders drop, the body language changes across the board. And then, not with everybody, but with some, because you just feel snake bit or you feel like, man, we're just not going to catch any breaks, you know, that, that, that kind of mentality. And last night kind of felt like the start of that, just a lot of penalties, a lot of self-inflicted, you know, you mentioned the turnover, uh, missed time snap. I mean, you just are, appear way out of sorts. And then meanwhile, Oklahoma is just kind of gashing you. Big chunk plays. They're, they're kind of getting what they want, but you just hung in there enough. But, but to sum up the game versus Oklahoma – Go back to the very end of the first half. It's it's 24 to 6. You're down 18 points. There's about three minutes and change left in the half. It's second and two. Okay. And from that point on, you you would end up outscoring Oklahoma and and then three minutes and change, 17 to nothing, and go to the locker room when you're down 18, down just one point. And, and I mean, so, so that right there tells you we're, we're here. We're going to be here all day. We're not going anywhere. We're going to fight and we're going to be smart about it. We're going to capitalize and, and we're going to have to execute and all the stuff that comes with uh, the, the, the football terms. But I just thought right there, that's kind of what allowed you to even be in a position to, to compete and to win the game. And not only, not only you don't stop there, but you get a stop in the, first or third quarter and then come back and take the lead and then you start going back and forth but I just thought it's that little three-minute stretch that sums up kind of what this team is has been about and what, what we we will talk about a lot of things this season and, and uh, on that game in particular but Trey Wolf just just continues to be like such a a fun story you know that just has paid so many dividends throughout the year I mean all these overtime wins, these one-score games, he's had some monster, monster kicks. Mm -hmm. And he misses an extra point in this game, and it kind of causes you to give you give you a bit of pause. But, boy, did he come back, and not only did he redeem himself, he, he wins the game, and it's becoming 
fairly common for a guy like Trey Wolf. But yeah, that three minute plus stretch at the end of the first half, I mean, that, you know, rabbit interception, you had the big kick, you, mm-hmm. you, you, you scoring some touchdowns. I mean, that, that really uh, is, is, and that had Oklahoma with no momentum going in the locker room. They had all of it in the first quarter plus, and they go in the locker room kind of on their heels and you just kept punching. Just amazing to see that momentum shift. Yeah. And uh, while Oklahoma was able to regain some here, they're obviously in a very competitive second half. It really never totally left Texas Tech's sideline. I don't think for the remainder of the night in the stands, whatever. I thought you had a nice environment and a lot of things there spurring on the Red Raiders down the stretch as far as that energy was concerned because you needed every bit of it. Those are some big picture thoughts on, on what that season will mean for Texas Tech year one under Joey McGuire and some bigger thoughts about the state of the program as well. But we will get to some specifics between the lines coming up dead ahead as to how exactly it happened. Texas Tech caps off their regular season with an OT win over the Sooners. We're getting to that coming up next on Locked on Texas Tech. But first, today's episode brought to you by Upside Cash Back in your pocket right now. Is that something you might be interested in? If so, get with our friends at Upside immediately. It's an incredible app for anyone who's buying gas, groceries, dining out, things like that. And with every purchase, you're earning cash back thanks to Upside. Maybe thinking it's too good to be true, but it's not. So get started today by downloading the free Upside app and use our promo code LOCKED. That's L-O-C-K-E-D, LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of 10 bucks or more in comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs you're earning three times more cash back with upside so download the free upside app today and use the promo code locked to get five dollars or more cash back on your first purchase of ten dollars or more that's five bucks or more cash back right now on your first purchase the promo code locked with upside get cash back now right now with upside And also today's episode brought to you by LinkedIn. As you assemble your team for 2023, you want just the right candidates to talk to. Don't want to waste your time with someone that doesn't fit the profile of what you're looking for in an employee. And that's where LinkedIn comes in to play a vital role for every business owner as they're getting you to the candidates you want to talk to faster. You can create a free job post and Only minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. That's why small businesses are rating LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs will help you find those candidates, cut through the fat that you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers are visiting LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free today with LinkedIn jobs. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for joining us on Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Subscribe on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts so you never miss an episode. Swinging it back around this week, 
to the round ball as Mark Adams and company are back in action from United Supermarkets Arena. But we are thinking Red Raiders and Sooners to kick off the week. 51-48 to 48 overtime win for the good guys. A lot of things to consider, Chris, when we discuss how it went down. But given the conversation around the quarterback position <laughs> this season, it's hard not to start right there with another incredible effort from number 12. And just a little spice of number seven in a couple of different ways that I know thrilled the home crowd, man. It was a lot of fun to see uh, all the way around for, for Tyler Shuck and then Donovan Smith to have some big impact in the regular season finale as well. Yeah, I, I thought I thought Tyler just continues to to you know gut, gut it out. He's impressive. He throws for over 400. He's you know rushes for about 50 yards on I think five yards of carry. And just does, you know, and he, he makes the one uh, interception, but Jerron Bradley, he he trips, uh, kind of crossing over in that route, takes a misstep, and that, that's enough uh, in a situation like that, but uh, to, to, to get it picked. But I, I just, you know, again, he just, they, they move the chains. Uh, and, and, and you bring up Donovan. I, I thought Zach did it. This was the best I'd seen that all year. One, they're without – uh, Mason Tharp in this one, and he's, I think, going to play in the bowl game. So you're really just down, and Henry Teeter was not really available, I think, in emergency situation only. So you're really only down to Baylor Cup as a tight end. And so you were going to use either one tight end in a game or none at times. Well, this was kind of, okay, let, let's, let's hit him with this different personnel group. Let's insert Donovan Smith. And they used him as a decoy. They used him as a lead blocker. They threw it to him. <laughs> they handed it to him. I mean, it, it was kind of the same look of a, of a two-back set. And you've got, you know, Tyler. And then they they, they shift out Tyler one time and, and, and snap the ball to, uh, to Donovan. You know, and then Donovan comes out of the backfield one time. They throw it to him. The Sooners do not cover him at all. I just – I thought Zach did a really good job yeah. of, of using Donovan in a variety of different ways. And it, it, it was needed because you, you maximized everything you had in that kind of package of plays out of that personnel group in the red zone. And, and I just it, it was it was a lot of fun to watch because I, I was intrigued to see anybody. OK, what's what, what's this one going to look like? What's next? How are they how are they using him here? And you weren't sure lead blocker, <laughs> decoy, receiver uh, or running back. You know, it was all it was all there. Man, it was fun to watch uh, Sir Roger Thompson. Uh, have a pretty impactful night as well. Yes. And, you know, you mentioned the the rushing game impact from Tyler Shuck. It really seems like as we got into the later stages of this season, Chris, we saw uh, the ground game approach for Zach Kittley in the offense. I don't know if it changed, but kind of evolved. And I'm wondering just at this point, was it just a matter of having Tyler Shuck uh, in the game? Because, you know, some of the stuff we saw, not just the QB run stuff, which was, again, uh, a part of what you did Saturday night, like it has been um, in some previous weeks. But I, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how often at the line of scrimmage, because you've alluded to it so many times, um, is Tyler Shug making some of these decisions or is it like an evolved approach to the ground game? H how do you see that aspect of it? Is, is Kitley changing or evolving anything with different personnel available to him? Is it that different personnel being Tyler Shuck? Uh, making some different thing, making some different calls at the line of scrimmage, or how did it break down? Because it was definitely more impactful as you finished up the regular season. 
I, I think Monroe Mills being healthy is one aspect of it because there was that gap in the middle of the season where mm. you had some things shuffled around. I think this is your best uh, version of your O-line this year. So that comes to it. Tyler also, he's extremely well-studied and smart, and he's going to put you more often than not in the right play or take you out of the wrong one. And so I think that aspect can't be overstated. I don't begin to know <clears throat> what's going on you know, from snap to snap and how much he is checking in or checking out or whatever. I just know that there's a healthy respect for the way he commands things when he's in there because he is so well studied on mm. what the defense is trying to do. And I think it's, you know, in the first half against Oklahoma, Oklahoma is one of those defenses where they it, it's kind of how he, we've heard Texas Tech's defense described. They show you every single front that there is. <laughs> You know, and like every look and they just try there, it's all over the board. So there's no rhyme or reason to really what they're doing. And and once you kind of get through that, they kind of settle in. And I think Tyler did too. Uh, but so I, I and, and I think I think Shuck is so good in that there a lot of these for him aren't necessarily called runs. He's just so good at okay, they're blitzing from there. You know, and if that blitz it comes past me, I'm gonna either throw it right there, or I'm gonna run right there. Like he, yeah. he's got a good feel for when to tuck it and go when it's not necessarily called. And so I think there's just a combination of things, but it, it's just a sign of a team getting better. I think as the season has gone along and and, and maybe being healthier uh, too. I think that that had an aspect to it because again, you finally had uh what the miles price that we that we have known to to appreciate and understand whereas that when he got hurt and when he kind of came back it just wasn't the same guy but Tyler's the same way and uh, you know Jerron Bradley was in there doing his thing there was mm. a brief uh bit in there in the middle of the season where he was dinged up so again I'm long-winded there but it's a combination of a lot of things but it's it's like uh what, what was the guy from the A-team? I just love it when a plan comes together. But, you know, this is kind of, you know, it's all, you know, it's all all kind of happened right there. And it ended up in a three-game winning streak to end the season. And you you certainly ran the ball when you needed to. Man, I uh, hope you can continue some of that into the bowl game, obviously. But I, I love seeing uh, Bradley specifically finish up the regular season the way he did with that kind of game. Because I, I think he needs to be your guy. And I don't know, you know, recruiting pipeline, what what's coming up uh, beyond the horizon right now. But. Bradley's got that that physical um, trait set, you know, that you just you, you don't really coach. And I'm hoping that maybe he'll have some better health luck and maybe can really blossom because, man, we saw some big games out of his him this year. It just wasn't uh, consistent enough. But you think about some of those and the possibilities there uh, it would be great to envision more consistent big impact for him in years to come. Years to come, Chris, before we uh, move along, just want to hit you off the cuff. Can you forecast years to come for, for Tyler Shuck, maybe the immediate year coming up next? Because quarterback conversation is always so interesting with the transfer portal. And obviously, you've got a really competitive quarterback room uh, on campus. Where do you see him 2023? Well, I, I, I you know, I don't think, you know, he, he said some things after the game uh, that kind of raised some eyebrows uh, about it. I, I, I don't. I don't think it's near as like as spicy as as some did, but can you uh, paraphrase he, what was said or just give me the context well, there? Because I saw the quote, but I didn't know the yeah, framing of it. 
you know, I interviewed him on the field one, and 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 he kind of I, I I asked him something to the effect of, "Man, or do you think do you find it funny, or do you think that people are still surprised when you you're able to grind it out and run so much?" Because I think so many people are still surprised and shocked by that. But this is just who he is. It's really who he was at Oregon. I mean, this is just kind of who he's been. We we just have seen him get dinged up twice. Uh, and so you, you you feel like okay this is not his game and all that but no this this is his core this is who he is and he was just like there's going to be doubters you know screw them kind of thing that's what he said well a- after the you know then the post game press conference I think you know he was asked something effective hey you're three and zero as a as a starter to end the season and technically I guess four and zero on the season when you look at the whole because he started the very first game of the season as well. And and he kind of commented, "There's people up and down the hallway that doubted him or didn't believe in him, and and all that." I, I I think I think where he's coming from is that one. I think he really wanted his job back whenever he was quote unquote cleared. Uh, mm-hmm. Being cleared is much different than being ready to play or being ready to play <laughs> right. at a high level. I that's my take, but I I don't know if he necessarily agreed with all that, but he's competitive. You know, he, he sat around, he came here to play QB. He came here to be QB one. He sat around for six or seven weeks. And, you know, I, I think he, he wanted the, the, the right to, to be able to compete, but it wasn't going to be given to him. And maybe there was some frustration there. So that's kind of where I think my opinion is where that stems from. As far as like, what's next for him, I don't think he wants to transfer anywhere. I don't. I was going to ask: Is that even a dumb question for me to ask? Am not I at all. Assuming no. too much. No, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's... not at all. I, but I, because he can if he wanted to. He, he yeah. absolutely could. Um, and, and I don't. I, I don't. I just don't think he wants to go through all of that. It's hard at that particular position more so than others. Right. You've got to go in, learn a whole new scheme. You've got to earn teammates' trust. You've got to, I mean, there's just a whole lot that comes with that. It's not just, hey, I'm going to go in and fit in in a wide receiver or defensive tackle rotation at some right. team, and you're going to play with a bunch of guys. No, you got to come in and win everybody over, understand what, what everybody's trying to do, understand new terminology, I mean, all the stuff that comes with learning a new offense and a coordinator and a, and a head coach I and mean, all that stuff. I just don't think he wants to go through all that. The, the question really is going to become, you know, for him is going to become, okay, is, is there enough, if I'd done enough, you know, to, to, to put, put myself in a position to get a good NFL grade or not, you know, and then depending on what that is, does it make sense for me to go ahead and, and go or to come back for one more year and try to prove that I can stay healthy, that I can play a whole season and I can be, uh, a good quarterback and show them all the different things. I mean, there's all, all kinds of dynamics there, but I think ultimately that's his decision. I don't, I can't prove that or say that that's a fact. That's my read on it uh, from based on my knowledge of everything. But uh, I, I think you'd be crazy not to want him back. First of all, For sure. I think if there's any chance that he, that he wants to come back, you say, Kiddo, we would love to, you know, because and ultimately at that position, I think as long as you get two of the three back, I think you can't ask for more than that. You know, I think that, you know, and I I really don't think the one guy that I don't think you have any concern about losing is Baron Morton. And he's kind of the future. But, you know, in an ideal scenario, I mean, this is probably asking for way too much, but Tyler and Baron come back. That's your one-two punch. Jake Strong comes in as your – as your freshman signee and you've kind of got a nice little pecking order and then Donovan Smith stays here in kind of a utility 
you know, maybe a position change type role, you know? I mean, because he's such a good teammate. There's so many things he can do for you, as we saw, uh, versus the Sooners. And, you know, we talked about some of that. But ultimately, he may want to go play quarterback. His dad may prefer that. I don't know what their their wants or desires are. So there's a lot to be figured out here in the coming weeks for sure. And it's all going to start happening fairly fast or soon after the bowl game. But we're in that sweet spot now where – if you're going to the portal, or if you're going to transfer, if you're going to declare, we start finding out about that stuff pretty quick. Yeah, he, his performance down the stretch of this regular season, that being shucks, um, did not make anything easier as far as sorting stuff out because hey, he was so successful and he looked so good. You obviously yeah. wondered what it might have looked like otherwise if he was healthy. I think when you find a guy that has some success and looks capable like Baron Morton so early on in his career – it's easy, and I know I was in this category to just kind of be like, all right, well, sayonara, everybody else. This is obviously the future. And while that still, I think, remains somewhat true, I I completely agree. If Tyler Shuck wants to be your quarterback again next year in Lubbock, um, I think you're happy to have that opportunity to have him as your quarterback once again. And visiting with him uh, early in the season, I think it was actually before week one, um, Chris, it just seemed like he had a real genuine appreciation for West Texas and what it's become for him. And um, he's a married guy. I know that he probably thinking a little bit differently as opposed to maybe a couple of years ago. So I, I don't know, man, what the future is going to hold, but it became very, very interesting, uh, given the success that he had to wrap up the regular season. So looking forward to some good options once again, and hopefully just have some better luck from a health standpoint with, with whoever's going to be in the mix but, to open up next year. And, and that's the thing, Cowan is like, we 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 beat this drum a lot, but you are naive, and we are all naive if we don't think you're going to need multiple quarterbacks every season going forward. I mean, look look at the look at the league last year and your own situation, but everybody else's, and then you look at the league again this year. It, this is just this is how it goes. Everybody runs their quarterbacks. Everybody's quarterbacks have a hard time staying healthy and and or and maybe even they play but maybe they're a bit dinged up and compromised or whatever but bottom line is you're going to need more than one and so if you lose two of the three and you only keep one of your current trio you're going to have to go find an older guy out of the portal period you know that's mm-hmm. just the way you can't have Jake's true freshman Jake Strong being your backup that's that's the reality of, of your situation on needing more than one guy. That's why I say if you can keep two of the three, it's about as much as you could possibly ask for realistically. And and I think at that point you feel great about it. If you if you somehow keep all three, whatever that looks like, and everybody's cool with whatever their role is, I, I think that yeah, you you've you've struck gold a bit there. Man, can't wait to find out and can't wait to find out what it's going to look like in the bowl game. Uh, got another one, obviously, before we close the book on this season, but it'll be a very interesting offseason once again, whenever it comes to the QB room. We will get to some primary takeaways, some individual mentions as well before we wrap up today's episode of Locked On Texas Tech. Coming up dead ahead, but first, today's episode brought to you by our friends at Nissan, working with us to create a brand new segment across the Locked On College Network called Thrilling moments we're highlighting the most exciting player plays from the red raiders over the weekend and this week's thrilling moment from joey mcguire and the good guys well it's a pair of them chris brought to you courtesy (laughs) of your friendly local funeral director reggie pearson we're going to the fourth quarter first where he baptizes eric gray 
on the west side of that Oklahoma offensive line. Uh, I can't quite remember, but it seemed like there was a little hesitation or maybe he's trying to bounce it around. Either way, he's damn near at a stop, it seems like, that being gray. Reggie Pearson is not. He is coming down like the hammer of Zeus. Is that a correct <laughs> reference? Maybe Thor's lightning bolt. One or the other. And Chris, I didn't even think they allowed tackles like that anymore in the game. But whoo, got the stadium amped up and set a tone, which he continued into overtime when you had what I thought was one of the strangest play calls for either team all day. Your banged up quarterback, you throw a pass to in the flat. And again, the funeral director at your service as Pearson puts a licking on Dylan Gabriel. And I got to tell you, again, I'm just conditioned now as a football fan to be like, all right, where's the laundry? But no flags came. This time, it was legal as Reggie Pearson, <laughs> I mean, set a violent, violent tone, Chris. Our team in red and black, they were the ones cracking heads more so last night. And, uh, man, that's a good feeling to have. Yeah, I mean, you know, R Reggie hasn't been uh, perfect this season, uh, but I, I think he chose the regular season finale to play some of his best football. You know, because he, he's been, you know, hey, in and out of the starting lineup a bit. You know, Coach DeRuiter kind of frustrated with him on some coverages, and Tyler Owens is going to play some and whatever. But bottom line is, when when this, this young man gets going downhill and he's got an angle on you, yeah, look out. It's going to hurt. <laughs> I mean, it, it's going to hurt. And it was kind of two perfect storm scenarios in those two plays that you mentioned. But, like, shot out of a cannon, man, and he has the right angle, and he does it clean. Uh, not helmet to helmet. Uh, he kind of leads with his shoulder, and he just he just unloads on people. It's that quick twitch that when he gets there, it's just like it all just kind of blows up on whoever. And uh, credit to Eric Gray for not coughing the ball up. Credit to Dylan Gabriel for not coughing the ball up because I, I wouldn't have done. I, I would have been like, hey man, just just take it. I don't don't hit me anymore. Right. But 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 you're right. It it did. It set a physical tone. And usually, okay, let's be honest. Usually, it's Oklahoma that hits people like that. Yeah. It's it, it yeah. It, you're 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 the little guy. You're 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 the one that's getting picked on and kind of getting bullied or whatever. And I just it was fun to watch Reggie do his thing. And when what? Because uh, I I think he actually gets to come back next year. I think he's going to make the decision to do that. So we'll see kind of what that uh, looks like. And. I think you'd be you'll be you'll be great if he, he and like rabbit both. I think uh, you know is is what Coach McGuire has said in, in press conference scenarios. But yeah, Reggie was that that was fun, man. I mean, Oklahoma knows who Reggie Pearson is. I can promise you that. Oh, no question about that. And uh, you know, people nowadays act like, "Ooh, you celebrated that? <laughs> you celebrate something like?" Yeah, pain is a part of the game. And once upon a time, it was the intention to legally within the game inflict pain on your yeah. opponent and Pearson was doing it last night man love to see that those thrills inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles so pursue what thrills you in the all-new frontier armada or pathfinder today available now at nissanusa.com and also today's episode brought to you by your Red Raider buddy Armin Williams with Schooley Mitchell North America's number one cost reduction company and we're talking everything under the sun chris whenever it comes to the chance to save you money he's your vendor watchdog and it's just success story after success story 
have enjoyed hearing about some of the most recent savings that Armin has been able to find for businesses just like our Locked on Texas Tech listeners' businesses that are so, so vital to them and their families. Yeah, I mean, one, Armin's a Red Raider. If you, if you own a business out there of any kind, uh, you know, let, let him try to help you. You know, if they can't find you savings, if he can't, you, you don't owe them anything. They will only share in, in, in whatever savings. And odds are he's going to find something he can help you out on. Like the, re- recently, the, they were able to find about 60% savings across three different categories uh, for a different uh, kind of business that involved telephone, waste, shipping services, it equaled about 10 grand of savings a year. So, I um, mean, yeah, th- those kinds of things. Just let Armin do it, man. And again, if he doesn't find anything, you don't you don't owe anything. There's no upfront costs. Let let him dig in. And everybody's trying to, to, to watch what they're doing with inflation and all those kinds of things. So just let him uh, try to help you out. And uh, and and one, we, we think a lot of him around here, man. He's, he's good people. I know he enjoyed that win over Oklahoma as much as anybody. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let him off the leash to be your vendor watchdog because he's the guy that is in your pocket whenever it comes to sicking this one or sicking that one. You know, a little negotiating, finding out whether or not you're paying market rate or beyond. Think about what some extra wiggle room uh, could do for your business in 2023. And as Chris mentioned, basically no risk for you because there's no upfront cost. It just starts with a free analysis. But here's the deal. You likely are going to find some savings because on average, 28% is the number by which Armin Williams and Schooley Mitchell are reducing businesses' costs just like yours. So get in with them today. Get the ball rolling at SaveWithArmin.com. That's SaveWithArmin, A-R-M-E-N, SaveWithArmin.com to learn how Schooley Mitchell can reduce your costs with absolutely Zero risk with Armin Williams and Schooley Mitchell, your cost reduction expert at SaveWithArmin.com. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech a part of your day, whenever, wherever, however you're making it happen. We appreciate you. Subscribe on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts if you have not so far, so you never miss an episode. Red Raiders wrap up their regular season 7-5, and five, the Mark Chris, and uh, get to some primary takeaways here to wrap up our show. And I just feel like one of those that stood out to me when you're having to go back over a decade to say, hey, it's the first time you did this. It's the first time you've done that. You know you're doing something pretty good. Unfortunately, it also means the previous decade stunk <laughs> mostly. But there are a lot of mentions of 2009 uh, when you're talking about what you did in conference or talking about uh, what you did on your home field. I've been harping on that all week long. So I feel like I'm sorry, all season long. So I feel like that's where I have to start this week. The fact that Joey McGuire did restore some edge. To Jones Stadium used to be a really tough place to play. We're still working on cooking that environment back up to the degree uh, that you would like it to be consistently, I know. But you can't argue with the results. Uh, you had, I think, the most wins of anyone in the Big 12 on your home field. Now, you had uh, more games than, than normal in that regard, but uh, about as good of a home run as you've had in, in a decade plus, right? 
I mean, and, and like, think about it. If you, if you had season tickets this season, you know, they, they won six of seven, but you just think about the, the sheer entertainment value. I mean, three overtime wins, three, you know, storming the field scenarios, uh, and, and, and two of those being Oklahoma and Texas, which this is the first time that that's ever happened. I mean, so I'm thinking – it, it became the thing to do. It, it It's becoming, you know, fun again. And that's what this stuff is supposed to be. It's supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to be fun when you win. It's supposed to suck and, and be very frustrating when you lose. And <laughs> I, I, th- I think that, I think that over the last decade ish, it, it, it wasn't even to where it sucked when you lose. It was just kind of like, that's what we expected to happen kind of thing. Right. You know? Here we go. Like, again. like a- apathy maybe had crept in a bit and it wasn't exciting. And I was real worried that boy, it, it just seemed like it, it was at its peak for that Baylor game. And you have the whole place just filled up to capacity. You've got Pat Mahomes there. It's a big game. And I thought, uh, and then they just play really poorly. Made the worst game that they played all year. And you turn it over a bunch. You just can't really stop Richard Reese and Blake Shape into the Bears that night. And I thought, oh man, I just hope that you haven't taken a step back from what you you had built to that point. But right. then they come back and you, you beat Kansas and Oklahoma with a road one in between it, and you you feel you feel like you're just riding high into the off season. And everybody's so excited about the expansion you know, on the South end that will begin uh, this week uh, as we talk and, you know, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's becoming a tough place to play again. And I think, uh, I think that that's the one that was maybe first on the list for Joey McGuire and like, what, what do we need to do? Cause he, he saw what it did for basketball last season. He was, he lived through that whole thing. He was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was pretty much here through the entire basketball season. He'd already gotten a job and he saw what an 18 and 0, home record can do for a program and a season and a resume and all these different things. And I guarantee you, you win six home games uh, going forward every year. You're going to, you're going to like the results of your, your season in total more often than not. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And I thought uh, you had a great environment from those in the stands. You got a student issue if you're playing on this weekend. We all know that. But it yeah. reminded me a lot of that that Baylor game in 2008, which people always throw off the cuff as no one being there, which is incorrect. You had about 56,000 people there. Uh, not 56, sorry, that's a new number. Uh, you had about 50,000 people there, but the student section was sparse yeah. once again. So I don't know what you can do to attack that in years to come, uh, but I think where there's a will, there's a way. I don't think you have to be afraid of this game on your schedule. You've just got to find a way – uh, as an athletics department to to address what you know will be an impacted student section. I mean, clearly it was, but Chris, I, I don't know about you, but uh, I think the, the guys on the field had to be uh, spurred on by some of the energy there provided on a very cold night at Jones Stadium because I was uh, pleasantly surprised, I think, especially as you got down the stretch uh, in the second half that it did kind of feel like you uh, you were helping your team out a little bit with that energy. What did it feel like actually on the field? I was I was really I, I you know when you're on RedRaiderSports.com or you see social media and you kind of see you know whether it's Facebook or Twitter and you see people hey man I got I got tickets if anybody wants to use them or hey man I got I got right. tickets that need to you know need I need to get them in in the hands of somebody that'll use them and you just see a lot of this you're like uh oh this may not this may not be good <laughs> as far as the old crowd. 
I, I, I was very, you know, it wasn't full by any means. And the students section was, was very empty. Yeah. The rest of it though, I, I will tell you, I was pleasantly surprised in a positive way because it, it was for the most part full in, in the primary areas and they were loud, they were into it. And that goes, even though uh, I'm still saying that, even though you were down early, you know, they didn't leave, yeah. they didn't, and they had chances to go, you know what, I'm not going to sit here in this cold and, and watch this. And, and maybe it was that three minute stretch uh, right before the half that like, uh, okay, like this was 24 to six and now it's 24, 23. I'm coming back after halftime. I'm not leaving. Uh <laughs> And, and again, you don't know how many more times that program is going to be in your building. And that may have been the last one, uh, all honesty. We, we don't know. I don't, I don't believe they're going to be on your schedule at all next year. You're not real sure uh, if Oklahoma will be back here ever. That could have been the, the last time. But, yeah, uh, tip of the cap to the crowd and, and their energy. And you gave them plenty to cheer for. If you're just there as an uninterested observer and you're no, you don't really care who wins or loses, that had to be an awesome game to attend or watch on TV. Yeah. High entertainment level. <clears throat> no doubt. And shout out to the dipstick uh, working for the man at the student section entrance. This is like late fourth quarter, Chris. I decide with my buddy, let's get down here a little closer. We're walking up to the entrance. Homeboy in the yellow shirt is telling me, ah, ah, ah. I said, brother, it's empty. Look behind you. <laughs> and I told him, you're fighting for the man, my guy, and that's the wrong side to take. So what did we have to do? Walk down one uh, Iowa, go into the student section and walk on the other side of him. I mean, good grief. Come on, guy. Think for yourself one time <laughs> in your life. But, uh, man, was a lot of fun with the right result. Of course, at the end of the day, a highly, highly entertaining football game. Individual takeaway for me, Chris, I got to mention him again because I am in awe at his ascension as this season has gone along and he was your leading tackler on Saturday night. Kosai Eldridge, 14 on the night, 11 solos. He's in the backfield, has a quarterback sack as well. I, I did not anticipate him becoming the guy that he has been for Tech's defense, Chris. I really just kind of hope that he could continue uh, to get minutes, you know, be like a, an impactful part of the linebacking core. But he's one of your uh, shortlist team leaders, I think, up to, ra to wrap up the regular season. I, I, I will tell you that. Yeah, I believe that's Coach Bookbinder's group. And I will tell you that when you graduate, Rico Jeffers and Colin Schooler is kind of your one-two punch. And we all talked about what a concern was at, on the defense. Like you felt good about the front, uh, depth-wise, experience-wise. You, you felt good about the back end. Linebacker was somewhat of a question mark. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't as big of a question mark as maybe the O-line coming into the year, but it was just because of the guys that you had lost. And Krishan Merriweather and Kosai Eldridge, available, durable, make plays, smart. Um, I mean, because uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Kosai maybe plays his best game against Oklahoma. I'm not real sure. He, he did he did tackle Dylan Gabriel like 28 yards out of the out of the off the field on the one play. <laughs> Which uh, you know he he I, I was right over there next to it. He 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 gets on top of he kind of trips and then and you know and they were just going so fast that it, it it like almost ended up at the wall of the stadium. But like if you look at Kosai's game minus that play and then you look at the other game went over Texas, and you think back to Krishan Merriweather's play on Bijan Robinson to force the fumble in overtime, mind you, kind of just sums up how good and important that group has been for you. And two of your 
your biggest wins of the season, but they didn't take a step back at all. And in fact, maybe were a bit better than last year's duo. And that shocks me yeah. to even suggest it. But that that may be the reality uh, of what we saw from those two. Uh, and and I'm going to sit there all offseason. I'm going to be like worried about trying to replace that duo because I'm like, you know, Jacob Rodriguez, Tyreek Matthews, whoever else, you know, wants to take a shot at it. You know, there's no way you can be better than Krishan and Kosai. But, yeah, I, I think a great job mentioning Kosai. Very, very smart football player. No doubt, man. Just love to watch it. And uh, shout out to Krishan Merriweather as well, who I think turned in his best season yes. uh, as a Red Raider, Chris. I, I'd love to mention also the receiving core because this is what you'd love for it to look like more often than not. Not only do you have the big day from uh, Jerron Bradley, who we mentioned earlier in the program, you also mentioned Miles Price, but I loved seeing again Nehemiah Martinez. I'm excited about this guy's future big picture-wise. And how many times did we hear Fungi? called uh, on yeah. the loudspeaker because it seems like he, he's got like a vanishing act he'll pull out of the bag every once in a while but over and over is fungy 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 only four catches but 61 yards on those four grabs it looked like you had a group with a little depth <laughs> in the regular season finale I don't know how many times it'll show up but uh, man it was nice to watch those pass catchers yeah it, it seemed like Loic's catches were really loud uh yeah. and important at the time you know and and like JJ Sparkman Trey Cleveland didn't do a whole lot uh but I, I thought Jerron Bradley and this is the Miles Price that we were used to seeing or we hoped we would see all year like making plays after the catch, you know, the yards after the catch and the quick twitch and all those things. But, uh, and, and I think Jerron Bradley, man, he's got it, you know, he's still so young. I mean, this is, this yeah. kid's a, it's all in front of him. He's got what, three years uh, still to play. He's just kind of figuring it out and uh, learning how to play with leverage and use his body and kind of bully ball and then get open in the middle of the field and, uh, all, all those things, but yeah, hopefully he can build on this because it was last year at this time during that bowl game that he kind of started to scratch the surface. I mean, it was West Virginia a year ago, and then though he had those big plays in the bowl game to where everybody was like, okay, th this this has got a chance, and we didn't right. see as much of it this year as we wanted to. But boy, he saved his best for last, and now, now it's just a matter of him kind of continuing to progress and take the next step because – he looks like you want. He's not going to run away from many people. That's not his game. But being physical and running routes the right way, and you know playing the leverage and all those different things. I mean, he's got he's got a chance to to be a, a stud around here for a long time. Last thing in my bucket, man, is the the specialists McNamara, Trey yeah. Wolf. I thought McNamara had a good night. Also, uh, Trey Wolf was three for three on field goals. We mentioned uh, the extra point Biff, but whatever. Uh, he nailed it when you needed it the most uh, I thought your special teams guys really gave you a good effort yeah and this was a night where there wasn't a lot of uh, fourth down opportunities based on the distance or the where you were on the field or the the time left whatever and so Austin McNamara got plenty of opportunities to flip the field and he did that most most of the time and yeah. you forget how good he is uh, and then you see, you know, like he hit some bombs against the Sooners, man. I mean, we're talking, I'm kicking it at the 15. He's fair catching it at the other 20. That is the very right. definition of flipping the field. And and then I, I just, I, I'll always have a soft spot for Trey. You know, we've talked about that uh, so much of this season and that he's a guy that so many cases like this, he wouldn't have still been here. I mean, yep. 
it is a stud two years ago. He's the one of the best kickers in the country. I think, what, 20 of 22, Lou Groza Award Watch finalist, and then loses his job, kind of loses it, dealt with a sports psychologist a lot and, and tried to get over some of the mental uh, part of it. And, and he's just come out as a better version of what he was. And, you know, I, anyway, it just like you, you take him out of the equation and you have a, a, a bad kicking situation this year. Your record's not seven and five, and you're not winning all these one score games. You're not winning these home games. I mean, you know, because he he had to kick the what the game tying field goal last night, and then the game winner, uh, you know, against uh, Texas, he kicks the game. You know, I mean, you know, the game tying one, I think, at the end, and uh, or he thinks it's going to win it, and then Oklahoma, I mean, then Texas ends up uh, kicking one to take the lead again, and he's over there going like. Well, damn, there's my, my moment was just taken from me. You know, but anyway, so, right. yeah, I, I think to your point, I think, yeah, you don't want to take those guys for granted, man, because total team effort, man, uh, and, yep. and your, your, your kicker and punter were certainly heard from on, on that night and uh, in a good way. Well, we talked about Wolf. I remember prior to the season, or whoever the kicker was going to be, that Texas Tech was going to need them at some point or yep. him at some point because you expected defensively to be good enough, at least I did, to – to be in some games in the third and fourth quarter, to be in some tight spots and and three could uh, sail your ship or, or sink your ship. And uh, certainly came to fruition and Trey Wolf was sailing a lot more often than not. <laughs> Did we empty the bucket? Did we cover it all, Chris? Uh, I think so. And we've got, on? we've got the rest of the week to pick up any, uh, any loose ends that we, we didn't, any we leftovers? didn't touch on. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's leftover season. That's, that's right, right, baby. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, well, get subscribed on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcast so you don't miss any episodes this week. As I mentioned earlier, we do have Red Raider Hoops coming up, Big 12 Big East collision from United Supermarkets Arena, so we'll get you set for that ball game a little bit later on in the week. Chris, enjoyed it as always, man. This uh, discussing wins is really fun, and uh, Joey McGuire has given us a few to discuss to wrap up the regular season, right? Yeah, he has, and, and I think it's really fun to think about a meaningful game to finish this season up uh, with yeah. in, a, in a fun destination higher on the bull pecking order against a potentially ranked opponent from a Power 5 conference. I mean, that, that's a lot of fun uh, off into the horizon there, but uh, we've got plenty of time to break that down, and we don't even know who and where and all that stuff yet. We'll, we'll kind of speculate as the week goes along, but man, it's uh good times right now. Boy, it sure, certainly looks bright uh, off into the distance from a future of this football program. Yeah. I want to get into some uh, bowl projection conversations coming up with you this week. And also at some point, maybe Chris can just break out the whiteboard and say, this guy's eligible next year. This guy's not eligible next year. <laughs> this guy's eligible next year. Yeah. And we'll run through some of the choices that so many uh, have to make this offseason so stick with us here this week another new episode coming up 7 a.m tomorrow on youtube uh or again anywhere you get podcasts on locked on texas tech uh, we'll see you on the other side chris sounds good man keep hope alive cowan glad to be back you got it man and be right back here coming up tomorrow for another edition of locked on texas tech and after locked on texas tech we hope you're making locked on sports today your next listen it's the biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions big game recaps and the take of the Dizzy. That's Locked On Sports today on the Locked On Sports Network. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. For Chris Level, I'm Casey Cowan. We'll see you next time around on Locked On Texas Tech.